with us. Uh, what I want to talk today is about the divine perspective for the life of the church here on earth. And the passage we're going to look today is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to ask Maki to read it for, for us. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to your salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame so the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were des destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here. Just a few words about the, the, the first letter of Peter. It's written to, to the Christian of the first century that were going through a difficult time uh, because of their faith, persecution, and different challenge in their lives. The desire and the goal of Peter for the letter was so that he could tell these Christians the divine perspective for their earthly lives. These people that were in the middle of the persecution, they could understand the divine perspective of the earthly uh, life. Peter writes his epistle exactly for these kind of people that were going through hardships because of the persecution and different problems, as I said before, uh, daily problems on earth. The situation uh, of that time had shaken the ministry of the church because of the persecution. Just imagine that. They were being persecuted and this had shaken the ministry of the church. 
The epistle is written in the beginnings of a persecution that was started towards Christian, a persecution which was going to be crowned two years later at 64 AD with the bloodshed and the massacre to the Christians from the emperor of Rome, who was Nero at that time. Uh, let's, let's come to us. Maybe uh, we are so busy right now with our personal life. Maybe uh, we're going through uh, lots of different things uh, through our personal lives. Uh, maybe we're so busy right now as a church with our lives here on earth with too many things uh, to do. Youth ministry, children's ministry, women or men ministry, with evangelism, discipleship, Bible studies or preaching, different missions around the world. And because of all of this, we might be thinking that we, want, we would want our lives here on earth to finish. To be honest, all these things makes us tired. Let's be honest. We are tired of our life. Tired of doing things. Tired of, of being involved in a ministry. It takes energy. The truth is that all these things that I said will finish when Jesus returns again. When we are united with him in his kingdom. But there is one thing that will never change in eternity. And that is you and me and everyone else who have called on his name in eternity, one thing won't change. And that is, his church will always be under his service. His church is going to be always under his service. It's not that Jesus is going to come and everything is going to end. It's going to finish. No. Oh, everything else is going to finish, but one thing it's not going to never finish. We are going to be in his service always, in eternity. Don't think that when Jesus comes, the ministry will end, that we will all take vacations. There won't be even bank holidays after that. One thing is never going to change. We're going to be in his service always. Instead, the ministry will become more glorious because no one uh, will be able to stop worshiping God in the moment that we are face to face with Him. So, uh, not, not forgetting uh, the above, let us remember that Peter was writing to the first century Christian that were going through a difficult uh, time with persecution and there were being challenged in their service to the Lord. So Peter needed to tell them about this divine perspective for their lives here on earth. Maybe uh, today we're going through the same things as individuals or as a church. Maybe we do not experience the same persecution or hardships, but still we can agree that because of 
things that we have around us, it's difficult. It's difficult to do our ministry, to serve to God. Still, we can agree that because of technology, comfort of life, different worries, sometimes uh, we lose our divine perspective for this life. What is indeed this divine perspective? Apostle John says it at chapter 17, verses 3. Now this is the eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is the eternal life. This is the eternal life. Knowing Jesus Christ as your God, as your salvation. Some people uh, might come to the church and see their Christianity as an option. Or something else in this world. Let me say this. The true Christianity, it's not a fashion. It's not an option. The true Christianity, it's knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ. And there it starts, the eternal life. In that moment, once you know Jesus Christ, you started the eternal life. This is the eternal life, knowing Jesus. The divine life starts with Christ, with the relationship that we have with God. But for the moment in this life, we experience insecurity for the future, selfish desires. We think more for our own comfort, worries for the daily life, our pride, and we focus more on uh, ourselves, in what is ours, me, mine. And this is going, all this stuff going in our life, this is going to influence one another. Being selfish, thinking about yourself, being proud, all this stuff are going to go to influence one another. And also, it will eventually influence the church of God. Peter uh, uses three illustrations to help his readers and us at the same time to understand how service to the church works better. And Peter wants to help us to get this divine perspective on the, li on the life here on earth. Let's see these illustrations. First of all, uh, Peter says to, to the church, as newborn babies desire the milk of the word. First, the ministry, the ministry of the church starts with the individual. It's very beautiful how Peter describes the need that we have for the word of God. What does it mean like newborn babies? It means that we start from zero. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word. 
it means that we start from zero. We sometimes feel like we know enough or even think that we know uh, we start raising uh, others because we are already growing up. Just read the passage. As newborn babies, he's writing to a church in persecution. Look how Peter teaches us to call ourselves like newborn babies who know nothing about what's happening in this world but has a strong desire for milk. For a baby, the need for milk, it's not a job that he needs to do. Like we often deal with the Bible by saying that today I have read three pages or this year I read it twice uh, Milk, for the baby, milk is what he needs for growth. That's why Peter says that we ought to be like newborn babies, so that we can treat the Word of God like a necessity that we need for the, our growth. It's something we need, and that's, that's how we should uh, treat the Word of God. Just think about uh, the church uh, that Peter was uh, writing the letter. In a wartime, persecution towards Christians. He wants the church to get this divine perspective in his life. He wants the church to guess that uh, you are under God's service and you always are going to be that's not going to change. And this is the divine perspective. It's not going to change. The job, the duty, the calling of the church is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And this job, calling, ministry, first of all, has to do with you and with me personally. The church uh, in the first century, they were having these problems. And what do they hear from Peter? Be like newborn babies. Treat the, the word of God like the milk. Have the desire like newborn babies. They don't know anything else in this world. Trust me, I've seen it today. The first thing that happens, they don't care about the, the mother's pain. They don't care that the father is there, that he doesn't know how to do it. They don't care about nothing. They care only for one thing. Start feeding. First moment, they don't know how to do it they're going to learn because they have the desire for that milk. How much do we desire the word of God? Ministry in the church, first of all, has to do with our personal spiritual growth. What did Jesus say when he was tempted? 
the man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Have the same desire as newborn babies that they don't know anything about what's going on in this world. Forget the persecution. Forget the comfort of life. Forget the uh, worries about the, the life. Forget your garden that it's going uh, bad. Forget everything. And go to the word of God. Have the same desire. Therefore, our personal relationship with the Word of God is very important. And this relationship is going to be reflected everywhere. In school, work, with friends or family, walking or driving. The same way uh, we can tell a child badly fed from a child that is well fed is the same way we can tell those spiritual syndromes in those who deal or don't deal with the Word of God. Let's have the desire. Let's have the same desires. Let's be like newborn babies who have that desire for the pure milk. Our personal relationship will have influence also in the Church of God, in the way we serve, the way we proclaim together the wonders of God. It's very important to desire the Word of God like newborn babies so that we can grow through it. Although this might seem difficult for us because we are surrounded by many things that distract us. But still, let us remember that we have tasted. The Lord is good. We have tasted that that milk is good. So let's have the desire for that milk. Let's, let us be uh, passionate about strengthening our personal relationship with God every day because the church is made up of people and the health of the church is dependent on the health of the people. The health of the church is dependent on your health and on my health. It is very important to work on our personal relationship with God. It is very important. That's where it starts. You are the church, individuals, and it's very important that each one of you have that desire as newborn babies for the word of the God of God. Second illustration that Peter uh, uses for the church in the first century uh, has to do with the ministry of the church has to do uh, with relationships. In my church where I serve as a pastor for a few years, we met in a different buildings because we didn't have one for our own. The prayer for a building became very important to, for our church. God answered our prayers by using his people, and we, were, and we were blessed with a nice facility for the church. The danger 
was that now we had our own building and so I did want that our believers would think that because of that now we were a true church. The first Sunday that we came together in our new building I got some bricks as part of uh, illustrating my message and also some paint and brushes. Then I asked each one of the, the believers to write their names in each of the bricks and we had a little wall built up right in the middle of the room where we met. And in that moment, people started making joke, jokes with, it, with each other, saying like, oh look, your brick is on top of mine, I'm holding you. Uh, oh look, you are opposite me, so we should be friends together. And in, in that middle of atmosphere, I said to them that this is church. This is the, the true church, or this is how church should be. Being built with each other. I love how Peter illustrates his points. He says, like living stones are being built. Why Peter did not just say like stones you are being built up? I think Peter was imagining a living stone with arms and hands, just like us. And these arms would be able to embrace or hug the closest stone that it was near them, so that each stone would embrace or hug the other stone. He says, like living stones are being built. It doesn't say just like stones, but living stones with hands and arms, just like us, just like you, and just like me. First illustration had to do with our personal phase, so with our personal desire for the Word of God. The second illustration has to do with our relationships we are simply a stone in the wall of God. A living stone in that wall. With arms and hands. Let's remember this. We need these arms and hands. For a wall to be well built, it needs what it needs. bit of cement? Yeah. Okay. We do use cement in Albania. Uh, for a wall to be well built needs cement in each of the bricks that connects the bricks with another. But the wall that Peter is mentioning is a living wall that is sustained by the embraces. The word embrace uh, could be translated How can we translate this? Oh. Our love. This word can be translated love. Keep the other stone. Stay together. 
Love is what connects a living world. Love is what gives meaning to our divine life while we are living on this earth. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13, verses 34, 35, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, as so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Love for one another will keep uh, strong the church, whether in persecution or in peaceful time. Love for one another will keep the church strong, whether in persecution, whether in the first century that Peter was writing to this church, or in a peaceful time. Keep loving each other. We need to have a conditional love for each other, unconditional love for each other. It's very easy to turn the command that Jesus gave to us into just words, like, I love you, I miss you, we should love each other, uh, we should care for each other, we should see each other more, and this and that. Love is action, it's not words. That's why Peter is writing these words to, to the first century church. Listen, you are having a hard time, he's saying, uh, persecution, uh, people from you are uh, being killed just because of their faith. But let me say what you need to do. First, have the desire for the word of God. Second, be like living stones. Love each other. Love is action. It's not just words. And this reminds me a story about a guy who wrote a text to his girlfriend. The text was like this. Sweetheart, if this world was as hot as the Sahara Desert, I would crawl on my knees through the burning sand to come to you. If the world would be like the Atlantic Ocean, I would swim through shark-infested waters to come to you. I would fight the most fiercest dragon to be by your side. I will see you on Thursday if it doesn't rain. <laughs> Love is action. It's not word. It's not words. It's action. Let's try to give a hug to each other. Maybe that's going to help. Come on, it doesn't hurt. That's fine. See? We're having a hug. It's great. That's great. <laughs> See, it's good.
amazing. Uh, just can you imagine a bit how easy is for uh, one man, sorry, can I use you for <laughs> illustration? <laughs> yes. It's very easy for one man uh, or a woman. If you push, he goes. Can you think if uh, all of us can be together, hug, just like that? One monkey comes, another one. Woman. Someone can try to push us. Thank you. Peter was trying uh, to say to the early church, the life you've started with the Lord Jesus is the eternal life, is the divine life. You are having a hard time, persecutions going on, people are getting killed just because of their faith. Let me say what you need to do. As newborn babies, desire the word of God. Secondly, as living stone, you are being built up. As living stones, not just like a stone that stays there, but living. Show the love to each other. And thirdly, the ministry in the church has to do with knowing your identity. The last thing that Peter says to the end of the passage is, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. This has to do with our identity. Do you know who you are? Do you know what are you supposed to do? It was very needed for the early church of the first century to, he to hear these words in the middle of the persecution, of sufferings, of martyrdom, in the middle of war, to hear these words from Peter, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. Maybe war, uh, chaos, fear had distracted, has distracted them uh, from the focus that they needed to have in serving God. And yet they hear these words from the Apostle Peter. You are a chosen people. In the middle of the persecution, he's writing these words. Desire the word of God as living stones, love each other, being built with each other, work with your relationships, hug a bit more often with each other, it's good. And thirdly, it's very important for you to know your identity, who you are. Your identity, it's not only who we are, our identity has to do with who we are and what we do at the same time. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation. We are God's people. What are we supposed to do? To declare the praises of Him 
who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is our identity. We are the chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are his people. The divine perspective of a church, the ministry of a church, is dependent on these three points. Despite in what circumstances you are, whether in war or not, whether in a rich country or a poor country, whether in west or east, the divine perspective of a church has to do with the personal growth of each individual, has to do with loving one another, and has to do with knowing your identity in Christ. Now this is the eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Brothers and sisters, let's live this eternal life. Let's serve God. This is not going to change, never. We're going to be under his service, always. Isn't that amazing? We are supposed to proclaim his name, to declare what he did for us. Just remember, as newborn babies desire pure milk, love each other, and know you who you are in Christ. This is the eternal life. This is the divine life here on earth.